Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us again today. We certainly appreciate you watching the broadcast. And audience, thank you for being with us. You make the uh, programs go so special, and we appreciate you taking time out of your busy lives to be with us. For those of you that are watching today, I've got my daughter, Jerry Ann, with me once again. And last week, we began a new series talking about free to be yourself and learning how to be happy with yourself. God made you unique. God made you special. There's not another person on this planet exactly like you. And you need to embrace who God made you and then use that as a vessel or an instrument for God's glory. Isn't that true, Jerry Ann? Right. I was looking up the definition of unique. It says only one of its kind, exceptional, distinctive, matchless, irreplaceable, and rare. Wow. I want you to repeat that when we come back from the break. And we're going to be talking about how you are so very unique and getting over low self-esteem, getting over inferiority and guilt and shame and condemnation. You need to get rid of that because all it's doing is blocking you and, and keeping you from enjoying the life that God has planned for you. And I'm telling you, it's a good life. So I want you to watch this special announcement. And then in just a few moments, we'll be back and we're going to begin our lesson today. So don't miss it. All right. We'll be back in just a moment. Are you comfortable with the way you were made? In Free to Be Yourself, Jerry Savelle teaches how God created you with your personality, interests, and physical body for a reason. You were tailor-made for the assignment that God has for you. Learn to use your thoughts and words to improve your self-esteem. Don't let your past define your future. You must let go of yesterday to enjoy the success that God wants you to have today. In Happy To Be Me, Jerry Ann Savelle Newton shares how after hitting the lowest point in her life, she laid everything at the feet of Jesus and learned to be happy being herself. It's time to be confident in your uniqueness. You were created with a purpose on purpose, and the world is waiting for your unique gifts. Don't hesitate. Call or visit jerrysavelle.org and request this freeing duo, Free to Be Yourself and Happy to Be Me. Today, develop the courage to be yourself and walk with confidence into the exciting future that God has for you. All right, we are ready for today's lesson. Jerry, and repeat what you said before we went to the break about the definition for unique. It says, only one of its kind, exceptional, distinctive, matchless, irreplaceable, and rare. Well, that's the way God made every, Each and every individual. Each and every one of us, yes. He made us unique, only one of a kind. Yes. There's not another one quite like you on this planet. Yeah. Somebody said, now all the audience is saying Amen. <laughs> Does that mean you're glad there's not another one just like <laughs> There's not another one just like you on the planet. And many times that's a great blessing. Hallelujah. <laughs> that there's not another one just like you. But you are unique, praise God. Amen. And there's something very special about you. And God made you the way you are. Now, he's always wanting us to improve and to become yeah. more like Jesus. But we are to embrace who he made us. Yes. You know, as a kid, uh, I didn't like me of, uh, in, in some ways, be mainly because of my shortness. I was so short. I was always the smallest kid in the class. The girls were even bigger than me. And, uh, and sometimes I tell that and people just think, oh, you know, he's, he's exaggerating. No, let me tell you something. When I graduated from high school, no, let me tell you, when I started the 12th grade, I weighed 91 pounds, 91 pounds, a senior in high school. 
When I graduated, I weighed 99 pounds. When I started my first semester of college, I grew that summer. I was 101 pounds. When, I, when your mother and I married, I was 107 pounds. When I went into the military, I was 114 pounds. When I came out, the military was good to me. Three square meals a day. I weighed 121 pounds. Wow. <laughs> That's little. And of course, throughout school, every school I went to, I was called Little Jerry, and I hated it. My, my mom and dad, uh, they, they moved us quite often during my first six years of school from the first to the sixth grade. Went to four different elementary schools. And the first day that we'd, I'd go to class, before the day was up, I'd be called, labeled Little Jerry mm -hmm. because there was always a normal Jerry in the class. You know, he was the right height. Mm -hmm. I'd raise my hand. Even the teacher, what is it, Little Jerry? You know, and, and I hated it. And uh, so over a period of time, I began to develop a chip on my shoulder about it, you know, and thinking I was always having to prove that I'm, I'm as big as anybody else. I may not be big in stature, but I can do what anybody else can do. Mm -hmm. So the only way I could prove that is I had to excel in sports. And uh, baseball particularly was my best sport. So I had to excel in baseball to prove that I was capable of doing what the big guys could do. Mm -hmm. That's a horrible way to live, yeah. thinking you're always having to prove yourself. And that, the baseball thing almost ended in tragedy because uh, I remember my dad played baseball for the company that he worked for. He played softball. And I, I must have been about four or five years old. And I walked into my dad's bedroom and he was putting on his baseball uniform. And I'm standing there as a little boy. And I, I thought my dad was the biggest person in the world. I thought he was the strongest man in the world, you know. And, and I looked at my dad in that baseball uniform with admiration, you know, and thinking one day I'm going to put on a uniform like that. I'm going to play baseball like my dad. And, and uh, I'd go to the game and I'd carry his glove, you know, and when it's time for him to go out in the outfield, I'd sit in a dugout with the team and I'd hand him his glove and he'd go out there. And then when he'd come back, he'd hand me his glove and I'd wear it until it's time for him to put it back on and dreaming of the day that I would play baseball. Well, finally I got old enough for Little League you know, and they came to our school and, and said, uh, there's a team forming in the neighborhood, a little league team. All you guys want to try out, come out today after school. Well, my best friend who lived across the street from me, and you know his name. Kenny Hennard. Kenny Hennard. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny and I were the same age, but Kenny was a lot bigger than me, but we were the same age and we were best friends. So we both were going to go out for baseball. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we went out there, and Kenny and I played baseball at the house all the time. You know, we pitched and hit. And so we knew we could play baseball. And, and we both were very confident that we would make the team. If, if anybody makes the team, it'd be me and Kenny. Mm -hmm. And so we went out there for a few days, you know, and tried out and so forth. Well, then they said, all right, tomorrow we're going to pick who makes the team. So the coach, now this is, this is a horrible thing to do, but the coach said, now, boys, line up. And he lined us all up and he said, I'm going to walk in front of you. If I tap you on the shoulder, you come stand behind me. That means you made the team. Now, the pressure of that, you know, when you're seven or eight years old, you know, and, and, uh, and so he come down the line and Kenny and I are looking, you know, and 
he walked past a few guys. I saw a couple of guys cry when he didn't touch them, you know, and other guys he touched, and they threw up their hands and shouted and excited, and they stood on the, uh, the side, and he got to Kenny. He tapped Kenny on the shoulder, and Kenny went on the other side, and he passed me by, mm. and he went down to the next guy, and, next, and I'm standing there. Now, I'm little, and when you're little, you can't cry mm -mm. because if you cry, that proves how little you are. Man, I was heartbroken. And so I went up to the coach and I asked him after this was over, I said, why didn't you pick me? And he said, because you're too little. Mm -hmm. I said, I didn't know you had to be a certain size to play baseball. I thought it was ability. I thought I could play as good as anybody out here. I'm sorry, son, you're too little. That was his excuse. Well, that broke my heart. So my mother came to pick us up. And Kenny was in the back seat, and I'm sitting in the front seat, and I'm sitting there like this, you know. And, and Kenny was always very outspoken. You never had to wonder what was on Kenny's mind. He was always very outspoken. He leans over the seat and says, did you tell your mama you didn't make the team because you're too little? I jumped in the back seat, and Kenny and I started fighting, and we fought all the way to the house. Mom opened the door. We rolled out in the yard and kept fighting until she broke us up. You know, my best friend, you know, and, and anyway, uh, nothing anybody said brought comfort. Now I got to go to school tomorrow and face all these boys that made the team. I'm quitting school. I'm not going to school. <laughs> Mom said, you can't quit school. You're seven years old. You know, you don't quit school. And I said, I'm not going to school. Well, I had to go to school, you know, and, and so that day a man came in the class and said, there were a lot of you guys that went out for the team yesterday and uh, some of you didn't make that team, but we're starting another team and all of you that didn't make that team come out and try out for this team. So I said, I'm going. Well, I made that team. Not only did I make that team and Kenny didn't want to play on another team, he come and joined me on, on that team. And not only did I make that team, but I was a left-handed pitcher. I was, I was a pitcher. We played the team that I was too little to play for in the playoffs, I was the pitcher and we won and we beat them every year. And that coach came to my dad's house and said, uh, you know, I made a mistake about your boy. And he said, I want to know if he will play for us next year. My dad said, son, the coach that told you you're too little wants to know if you'll play with him next year. I said, no, dad, tell him I'll never play for him. I'm too little. <laughs> and I never played for him and we beat him every year. But, you know, that being little, even though, you know, some things did turn out good with the baseball thing, but I went through that all my life. Mm -hmm. Even when, when your mom and I married, I remember shortly after we married, one day she came in and she said, Jerry, we've got a lot of garbage in the house. We need to take it out to the trash can so the garbage man can pick it up. She said, well, you grab one and I'll grab one. I said, what's the matter? You don't think I can carry both of them? <laughs> you know, I, I always thought every remark was because I was little, wow. you know, and if somebody was walking down the road and they looked back at me or pointed at me, I, I, I just assumed they thought I was little yeah. mm -hmm. and I wanted to go over and bust them in the nose. Yeah. You think I'm little? You know, <laughs> I often said, it's a good thing Jesse DePlantis and I didn't know each other <laughs> when we were growing up because he went through the same thing. We'd have killed each other. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Jesse was little like that and he went through the same thing, but being little was such a stigma with me and it controlled me. There were things I wanted to do that I wouldn't do because I thought somebody would think I was little. Wow. 
you know. And then when I got saved, you know, when I surrendered my life to the Lord, I was thrilled that he didn't say, little Jerry, would you like to be saved? And after you get saved, there are a lot of little demons out there that I'm going to assign you to. You know? no, no, God never called me little one time. And when I got saved and I got in the word and I began to renew my mind and I found out I'm special to God, I'm unique and God can use all this mm-hmm. for his glory, changed my life. Well, it's, it can start with words yeah. and they're seeds and they get down on the inside of you mm-hmm. and you don't even realize it sometimes that they begin to direct and guide your life just yeah. based on an insecurity that was planted. And half the time people don't mean it. No, They don't mean to hurt your feelings. They don't, sometimes they don't even know they're doing they it. They don't even know they're doing it. I've had people say things to me, joking or comparing me and I have no idea the impact. Mm-hmm. But now I know I have an arsenal. Yeah. I have the word of God. I have an armor that I used to defend against those. But in the past, every little thing that would come, I I would accept it. And Satan will see to it that you're set up. Everywhere you go, set up, set up. Yeah, when he knows you're a little touchy about that, he'll set you up. That every opportunity he has, he will use it. And I was falling every single time with the insecurities and hurts and feeling left out or whatever it is. But you've got to uproot those seeds. I don't care how far back it is. And if you go to the Holy Spirit, he will reveal where it started. Mm -hmm. He'll reveal deep down where it started and you've got to uproot it, pull it out, but then you fill it with the word of God and what he says about you. That's right. You know, I have six kids. I've given you five grandsons and one daughter, granddaughter, and they're all so different. Mm -hmm. Every one of them. I've got athletic ones. I've got artistic ones. I've got quiet ones, loud ones all unique, Mm -hmm. but I would not imagine my home any different. Right. I love the variety, the diversity. It'd be dull if they were all exactly alike. (laughs) It would be boring. And that's the way God sees his children is the uniqueness. Mm -hmm. He sees that in every one of us. He doesn't want us any other way than the way he created us. That's right. So for whatever reason, he wanted us short, but we're short and we work with short. Yeah. And I like short. (laughs) Short is good. Short is good. (laughs) But God just works with what he's given us. And mm-hmm. you, when you learn to tap into who you are, the strengths, the weaknesses, the quirks, whatever it is, and yeah. just work with who you are and not magnify on those weaknesses. Yeah. And you know, when another thing uh, growing up, one of, because of the insecurity and in being short, then I offset that often by being funny. And I was like the class clown mm-hmm. in, in, in many of my classes. But I did that because of the insecurity, making people laugh, you know. And, and not only that, but, but I knew my dad was a funny guy and he had a humorous side and he was always making us laugh. And, and, and I always enjoyed laughing and making other people laugh. But a lot of it was out of the insecurity. Mm-hmm. But then I realized after I came to the Lord that God wanted to use that humorous side of me mm-hmm. and that, that humorous nature that I had because a lot of times, and I don't try to do it uh, when I'm preaching, and everything I say will come out funny. Mm-hmm. And the people are just roaring and, and laughing, and yet there's a point coming across that, that probably wouldn't have come across like that if I just did it serious all the way through. Right. It's like Jesse Duplantis, um, you know, and Jesse and I are very dear friends. He's like a brother to me, and uh, I might add a little brother. And... Uh, <laughs> 
because <laughs> uh, I'm older than him. But Jesse is one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. I love watching Jesse preach. He's so animated. He's so funny. And, and he can have a crowd just absolutely in tears through laughter. And yet when he gets through, there'll be 300 people come up to get saved, mm -hmm. you know? So that's his uniqueness. Yes. But you get Jesse out of the pulpit and go to, you know, we're all together doing something. He's, he's not the funny one in the group. Mm -mm, you are. Yeah, yeah, I'm usually the funny one in the group. And, and, but it's something that God uses. It comes on Jesse. Mm -hmm. In fact, when he first went in the ministry and, he, and uh, he came home after one of his first meetings and he was mad and he told Kathy, he said, uh, I am so mad. And she said, why? She said, he said, well, they laughed at everything I said. He said, I'm preaching to them. And they're just laughing. She said, Jesse, you funny. <laughs> he said, well, I wasn't trying to be funny. She said, well, God uses you that way. Mm -hmm. It's a unique thing that God has put in your life, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that can be, that becomes a strength, you know, uh, for Jesse or even myself. Like somebody said one time, you know, uh, you're funny like Jesse. I said, I was funny before that boy was born. What are you talking about? <laughs> and, uh, but the, the humor, the, the funny, you know, the way the word comes out sometimes in a funny way, mm -hmm. that's one of our uniqueness right. traits. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that God put in us and wanted us to use. Now, when I first came to the Lord, I thought that God couldn't use me if I was funny. Mm -hmm. I thought I had to be serious all the time. You know, and, and of course, you get around some preachers that, you know, are boring and they want you to be like them. And I thought, well, man, if I go in the ministry, I'll never laugh again. Mm -hmm. But God wanted to use my uniqueness. Yes. And it has uh, enabled me to reach people that perhaps wouldn't have been reached any other way. A lot of people, you know, they see how serious Kenneth Copeland is and boy, them piercing eyes. He's one of the funniest men I've ever met in my life. And the first sermons I heard him preach, he's telling Bible stories, but he used some humor with it. And that's what got my attention was his boldness, his matter of factness, his uh, non-compromise. But yet there was this funny side to him and I could relate to that. Mm -hmm. and, and even to this day, I mean, Brother Copeland and I, when, when we're not in the pulpit and we're doing you know, other things, riding motorcycles, vacation or whatever. We are laughing all the time, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I love being around that and I love the uniqueness of it. Mm -hmm. But just think, I don't think I would be where I am today in the ministry if I had suppressed that in me mm -hmm. and said, now, okay, I can't be funny anymore. I can't use humor. You know, I'm a preacher now. I think I would be a very dull person and I don't think my ministry would be where it is today. Yeah. So it was something God put in there. I had to discover and then allow him to use it for his glory. Yeah, you just tapped into it and worked with what God gave you. Amen. Yeah. And I'm happy with that. Yes. Tell me about Jeremiah chapter one and verse five from the Amplified Bible. You read Psalm 139 a few days ago and Jeremiah 30 or Jeremiah 1 5 is such a unique verse as well. It says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and approved of you as my chosen instrument. 
And before you were born, I separated you and set you apart. Amen. Amen. Yes. Separated you and set you apart for yes. his purpose, yes. for his glory. Yes. Amen. You feel unique today? I do. You feel free today? I am free. I'm free just to be Jerry Ann and I'm okay with that. And if God can set you free, then surely anybody, he can set anybody free, anybody, right? Anybody, yes. Is that the way you feel? I do. And I don't care how old you are. I don't know how many mistakes you've made. God can set you free. But you have to want it. You have to hunger for it and want it and be desperate for change. And I promise you, he'll meet you right where you are. Amen. He is a God of restoration, a God of healing, a God that wants to come in and invade every part of your life and do it in love. He's such a loving father. Not a condemning father. No. Never condemns us. I wrote in my book on page 12, many people feel they have nothing special to offer, nothing rare about them. They just sort of blend in with the crowd. But God says you're unique. And once again, you gave the definition for unique. It means only one of its kind, exceptional, distinctive, matchless, irreplaceable, and rare. Now listen to this. According to medical science, you are the only one in this entire world with your fingerprints. Nobody else matches yours. You are the only person with the DNA that you have. Not one person around the globe can match your hair follicles and dental impressions. Out of seven billion people, not one. Only you have what you have. Isn't that amazing? I would call that unique. That is unique. <laughs> but the problem with most people is that although we are each uniquely made, we never take the time to discover our uniqueness or what are, we overlook our creative selves and, and look at ourselves as no big deal, nothing special. Surely God can't use me, but that is a lie from the devil. It is. Amen. Yes. God can use you. God wants to use you. Listen, don't keep putting yourself down. Don't, don't live under condemnation. And whatever everybody else says, I know it's hard and I know words hurt, but you've got to... You've got to uh, learn to turn a deaf ear to that mm -hmm. and just listen to what God says. Amen. Find out what he says about you and then you accept what he says as final authority. Amen. Amen. No longer accept the lie that you're no good. You can't be used by God. God can use you. God can use anybody that is willing to allow him to do so. So I want you to watch this announcement about these two books that will help you in this area. Then we'll be back in just a few minutes. Are you comfortable with the way you were made? In Free to Be Yourself, Jerry Savelle teaches how God created you with your personality, interests, and physical body for a reason. You were tailor-made for the assignment that God has for you. Learn to use your thoughts and words to improve your self-esteem. Don't let your past define your future. You must let go of yesterday to enjoy the success that God wants you to have today. In Happy To Be Me, Jerry Ann Savelle Newton shares how after hitting the lowest point in her life, she laid everything at the feet of Jesus and learned to be happy being herself. It's time to be confident in your uniqueness. You were created with a purpose on purpose, and the world is waiting for your unique gifts. 
Don't hesitate. Call or visit jerrysavelle.org and request this freeing duo, Free to Be Yourself and Happy to Be Me. Today, develop the courage to be yourself and walk with confidence into the exciting future that God has for you. Thanks once again for joining us today. I trust you've been blessed by the lesson that we've endeavored to share with you about how unique you are in the eyes of God. Start seeing yourself the way God sees you. Amen. Don't forget the two books, Free to Be Yourself, Happy to Be Me. You know, there's one chapter I was looking at here, Jerry, and it's chapter four of your book, and it says, I forgive me. Mm-hmm. That's a major thing, isn't it? I think that's where it all starts. Yeah. You got to start with forgiving yourself before you can ever move forward in life. What, what did it take for you to get to the place where you could forgive yourself? Getting down on my knees. I mean, getting down raw and real before God and just letting him strip out all the ugly mm-hmm. and just getting free of the junk and begin to work on loving myself, believing in myself, and then seeing what God said about me in his word. And now God has turned what you were going through in your life and how you overcame it into your message. Yes. And that's a unique thing too. God will take the thing that seems to trouble you the most, the thing that you seem to battle the most, Mm -hmm. give you victory over it, and then make it your message. Yes. The test becomes a testimony. That's right. Praise God. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's interesting because, uh, and I'll get into this on next week's broadcast a little more, but, uh, you know, I was also a quitter, and that had to do a lot with, my low self-esteem and being short and all that, you know, and all, all that. But I, I, I was a great starter, but I didn't finish a lot of things. I, I quit. Mm-hmm. And after I came to the Lord, uh, in John chapter 8, I discovered that it says, if you continue in my word, you'll be my disciple indeed. And you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Mm-hmm. And that little word continue jumped out of the Bible into my heart. And the Lord said, this is the thing that's missing in your life. You're a great starter. You don't continue. Mm-hmm. And he said, if you will stay in my word, I will make a winner out of you. And then I'll turn your message into don't quit. Mm-hmm. Now here God takes a quitter. And now this ministry is known around the world for teaching people don't quit. Yep. Isn't that amazing? Yes. So whatever you're going through today, whatever seems to be the greatest battle in your life, God wants to give you victory over it. But the first thing you got to do is get fed up with living that way, then go to the Word and see the way God sees you and then let God give you victory over that and He will turn that very thing into your message. It'll be what you represent Him for. If you were a quitter, God will make a winner out of you. Amen. 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 If you were a loser, God will make a winner out of you. Thank you for watching today. It's been a joy ministering to you. Don't forget to join us again next week. Jerrianne will be joining me again and we're going to continue talking about free to be yourself. Amen. We'll see you next week.